and for people to be happy, they've got to sort of go on a journey of their own in a way. And it's a bit like like going on a film. I'm watching Indiana Jones film or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of us, I think when we're younger and when we get older, we have a lot of sort of friend groups that we're tied to. Or that we tie certain roles as to what you are. Like you said before you were a comedian, you used to tie that to what you are. And mm. with us, it must, for people that are, that are not willing to take that path, what would you say to them? Like for people that are, they're stuck in a job that they hate and they're miserable, but they're stuck with their friendships and they feel trapped and they can't get out of it. What mm. would you say to them to get them out of it? Because you did say that they've got to be willing to talk to you, but what yeah. do you think could get them to get them in a stage where they want to sort of reach out and do things? Oh, God. You know what? I, I feel like <laughs> this is going to get dark for a second, but I think it's super important. You know, it's like if you if you had one more day, you know, or not one more day, if, if, you're, if you knew that your time here was limited, let's say that you had like a year left to live, is this what you would be doing with your time? You know, I would say I changed it from one day because one day it's like, no, I would quit everything and I would just see my, you know, friends and family and like, you know, eat all the food. Right. But like if you had a year left um, and you had to be working for some of that time, what would you be doing? Is this what you would want to be doing with your final year of your life? Like, is this the work that you'd want to be doing? Is this the day to day that you would want to have? And if not, what is that? What does that ideal day to day look like? Hello. Hello, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks. So, are you in uh, LA? Is yes, I'm in Los Angeles. What about you? Ah, just in London. Oh, lovely. Near, near Wimbledon Tennis. Oh, very nice. I got a lot of family out there. Ah, lovely, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I like the little backdrop you got over there behind oh, you. Oh, thank you. This is one of my paintings. I like to just you know paint stuff for fun. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, you you have quite a story, don't you? I mean, it's like you you do comedy, you do lots of like self help, and it's I mean. I've been looking at some of the stuff and it's, yeah, you must have so many stories to tell and like, but you're, yeah. you're, you're at an amazing point. I mean, I've, you got an interview. How was it like being on Conan and like speaking? So I was not on Conan. Our show self-helpless yeah. was mentioned on Conan um, when one of the other hosts was on there. So I was a stand-up comedian for about six and a half years. And then I stopped doing stand-up. Yeah. To launch my own business and I launched my own business and then from there other performers entrepreneurs and artists started asking for my help uh, with their like their own businesses and passion projects and so now I'm a full-time business coach basically what I call myself is a simplicity coach uh, though because um, the approach I take is basically helping people come up with 
you know, one offer, one marketing system um, to, yeah, promote their service or their product or whatever it might be. So you, you, you're sort of like Tony Robbins slash sort of Jay Shetty slash sort of, um, I don't know, business advisor sort of thing. Yes, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I, I was able to pivot my career more than once you know, I, I've gotten relatively good at that, you know, and I've, I've gotten good at leveraging my skill set and my past story or whatever to bring to the forefront, um, to use in whatever my new endeavor is. And so, yeah, people have come to me asking for help with basically, you know, launching a business or a passion project or scaling it. And yeah, my clients are having really great results. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. And I'm lucky to have, you know, tried so many different things uh, as far as, you know, in entertainment. I've also been in the corporate world a lot. Um, I have, you know, personal experience with a lot of the projects and things that they come to me with. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been great helping other people with all of my trial and error, you know, that I've experienced in my own career. And so what <clears throat> so you you did you did so you did you start off as a stand up comic and then like how, how did that lead you into such a yeah. what well, a very opposite industry yeah sure that? yeah so i started off doing stand up in college i really fell in love with it and i did it for about six and a half years um you know getting paid for it, doing it on TV, performing all over the place, all across the country, internationally. And unfortunately, I got really burnt out and depressed by the lifestyle. I am somebody who does not like to be out every night or traveling every weekend. And that's, you know, what the job requires for the most part, um, until you kind of get to a level where you don't have to go out all the time. And maybe you just do one theater once a month and that's it. But um I was not really willing to keep living that way. I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm a homebody. I like being in the same city every night, you know? And so I had to come up with an, a, a plan on how to like get out of that. Um, and so my idea was that I would launch a funny business that I could do from home and kind of like try to be a stay at home comedian in a way. And so the business I launched was where I painted, um, I painted penis cartoons on coffee mugs, which I know sounds crazy, um, but that business took off and I was able to leave stand-up and also leave a corporate entertainment job I had at the time. And I was able to basically make this funny art full time. And so I did that for a while and I scaled that business. Um, and as that business was growing, that's when other people started reaching out to me saying, how the hell are you making a full-time living <laughs> painting, painting coffee mugs, you know? Um, and then that is when I started helping other people, you know, basically make their dream jobs a reality as well. And then both businesses got very busy. My coaching business got busy. Dicks by Delaney was the, was my other business that got very busy. And I had to kind of pick which one I wanted to dedicate, you know, my full attention to. And I chose my coaching yeah. business. Yeah. So that's how I got here. <laughs> weird, weird road. 
because I'm, I'm, I'm doing stand-up comedy now and it's interesting to speak nice. to you like you're doing your passion and like because I'm I'm interested to ask you about it because like right now I'm at the I love it and I love doing it but I can't see yeah. myself doing anything else and yeah. from what you say there I'm guessing maybe you were at that stage and then that like as you said something just clicked with that yeah it was um it was really hard to stop doing stand-up because it had been such a big part of my life and my identity uh, for such a long time. And what's great about stand-up is that, you know, you can keep it around as a hobby if you want to, you know, you don't have to be a full-time comedian to still like get enjoyment out of it. Um, and so, you know, if that's, if you find that you really love it, but you're not in love with the lifestyle, you know, you can always have it in your life in a way that makes you happy. Um, but no, I had no idea what I was really going to do. I just knew that I needed to get out of it because I was no longer happy doing it. And the mug, you know, the mug business was a hobby I had on the side. And so it was something that was kind of around, but I wasn't really putting much time and attention uh, into. And um, I saw that as basically my way out of doing stand up. If I could make enough money painting these funny mugs, that's a, you know, a fun creative thing and a funny thing I still get to do, but I can do it on my time and have a lifestyle that makes me happy instead of you know, forcing myself to try it, to live this lifestyle that was not meant for me. How, how did you sort of, so you said you've done lots of different things. So how did you sort of go through those stages and like say, oh, I, my, I've changed now. Now I need this. Now I need that. Like how? Yeah, really what um, kind of led me from one thing to another is complete burnout. I wish, <laughs> I wish there was like a better, you know, more fun way to put it, but I would get really burnt out uh, and unhappy doing something. And then I would know it was time for a change. And then that's when I would try to come up with a solution for myself. So none of it was planned out ahead of time. You know, I didn't, I never planned to like, okay, I'm going to do stand up for a little bit. Then I'm going to launch my business and I'm going to be a coach. It all just kind of organically led here. And I would just do something until I felt like I needed a change or I don't need a change and I kept it around. Um, but I think we all kind of know when we hit our own wall of burnout or just being done with something and when we need to pivot, I think all of us have kind of a different uh, way to measure that. And for me, it's just, it was burnout every time. So I burnt out with stand up. I knew I wanted to decrease the amount I was doing it. So I, I scaled back slowly until I left completely. And then the same thing with, um, you know, launching my business too. I, I, you know, I hired, I hired a couple artists to take over the design and stuff so I could back away from the business and it was still a lot of work and I burnt out on that. And so, yeah, that's just basically been <laughs> the way that I make my own decisions is when I, I know when I've hit a wall is trusting your gut effectively yeah exactly exactly what so it sounds there from what you said there is that you there's no sort of like nuts and bolts no sort of e equals mc squared formula you just work very hard at things and like you're passionate about everything you do and it's sort of just fallen into place yeah, you know, and the passion might change, you know, I might be passionate about something for a few years, and then I become passionate about something else. And then I go in that direction, you know, so for me, my passion has really 
changed a lot and now I'm very happy doing what I'm doing now, but I have no idea, you know, how I'm going to feel in five years doing this. I might be, I might be onto something different and I'm okay with that. Um, and yeah, I'm really, I'm open to a lot of stuff because I've changed my mind so many times and I've had so many different like <laughs> jobs and careers, I feel like, um, but it's worked for me. You know, it's worked for me. So I'm excited to see what happens next. But for now, I'm very, very happy doing what I do currently. And what makes you happy about it is that you are living your own life and under your own terms. And you don't have to be, yeah. like, if you're not happy with something, you're your own boss. And you're like, no, I'm not happy doing that. Boom. Right. Exactly. Exactly. My, my dream was always uh, to create my own schedule and have the flexibility and that freedom. Um, and now I have that, you know, I get to kind of craft my day the way that I want. And, um, you know, I've, I've had the nine to fives. I've been a performer. I've, I've let other people dictate my schedule before and it made me feel very trapped, you know? And so I, I do, I like having that control over my time. Yeah. It's a bit like when people in, workplace and starbucks or whatever you get treated like crap by your manager like you bitch about them but you can't do much about it because you're depending on them for different things and yeah. so you're just getting miserable and more miserable but right right and one thing i want to ask so would you would you describe yourself possibly as a sigma woman a sigma woman what does that mean <laughs> is that some lingo i don't know Oh, there's, so there's, there's a saying called like, uh, with male, like there's, there's, you have an alpha male and then you have a sigma male and a sigma male is a bit like James Bond where he doesn't have any sort of, he doesn't hold himself to anything, but he has a lot of power and status and like he's, he's an adventure and he's in charge of his life. Hell yeah. I want to consider myself a sig sigma woman. That's freaking cool. Yes. Sure. <laughs> sure, Marvin, I am 100%. Um, no, I like that. that. That sounds like it sounds very fun. I think you know what it is, is that actually that actually really speaks to me because I've been in other jobs and other positions where I just felt like um, this could be done more efficiently. I don't know if you've ever been at a job where you are sitting there and you are like, you're, you're having to process something and you feel like the system, it could be better or you feel like, you know, the people in charge are not like trying to streamline things. That was always getting on my nerves where I was like, I know that I could do this better. I don't know why this corporation won't let me help them. Right? And so for me, it was always like, I kind of had this tendency to look at stuff and be like, why aren't we making this easier or more efficient or more effective and as soon as I was able to work for myself I was able to implement all those systems and I was like oh my gosh it's so nice being the one in charge of how things are done um, because I was able to make things efficient and make sense for me and um, yeah I just kind of always felt like stuck before and kind of just like I was a number you know at a job instead yeah. of somebody who had any kind of input on things um and i like i like the fact that my business feels like it's always improving and getting better and we are always simplifying and streamlining our processes and we're not stuck in the same systems you know we're growing with everything 
which I didn't always feel like that was the case at my other job. Yeah, it's, I mean, I've, in some places, I, some people that are, you know, they're, they're famous and they, or they really got loads of money and they're really at the top of the tree. But if they're sort of controlled and having to always do as other people tell them and they can't be the true themselves or do the things they want, I mean, is that necessarily happy? Because they're going through a hell of a lot of inner turmoil. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's an excellent point. You know, I, I have been around a lot of very successful, well-known performers, and you would think, wow, they have all this control and autonomy and stuff, but they also have like a team of people around them who make money from what they do and there's contracts involved and there's all kinds of negotiations happening and everything. And so sometimes the performer actually doesn't have as much autonomy and freedom as you might think. And let, it, it takes a lot of work to maintain that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's absolutely true. You just never know what's going on with somebody. You might think they have all the success and freedom in the world and there's other things going on behind the scenes. Yeah, it's like if you see someone famous, if I saw a hero of mine in like a Starbucks or something and I go and say hello to them and I ask for an autograph and they tell me to F off. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bad thing for them to do, but I meant like you don't know what's going on in their head or what they're having to go through. But I would think because I've not been on the other side that they're an arsehole when in the fact yeah. you don't know what they've been through or what's going on at the moment to make them sure. behave like that. Sure. And, you know, that is kind of an asshole way to respond. Don't dismiss like, yeah, that is, you know, they can, they can say, hey, no thanks, or I don't do photos. There's a, there's a different way to say it. But, yeah, you might catch somebody on a really bad day, and that is your only interaction with them, and then you just think that person is a jerk, you know. But really it's like we've all had bad days at work. We've all had bad days. But the people who are public figures are under a lot of scrutiny and, you know, sometimes feel like they don't have the luxury to have a bad day. But I still think you can, you know, saying, you know, fuck off or like, no thanks, you know, you can still take a little bit of time and get your point across. <laughs> and what you were mentioning of like, you know, being at a job and like, you know, your boss is being a jerk and stuff and, and like not feeling he can speak up. Well, now that I'm my own boss, I can also still be a jerk to myself and I have to tell myself to fuck off sometimes, you know, <laughs> or F off. Sorry, I don't know if we can swear on this like that. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, whether you're working for yourself or you're in an environment, like your boss is sometimes going to be an a-hole and um, that, that boss might be you and you need to basically tell yourself off. <laughs> I find that quite an interesting thing. One of the things I think that makes it harder as when you do things on your own is accountability because it's very easy for yourself to let yourself off and yeah. i mean with your does, does it help having with your other podcast that you have two other people that you work with yeah so yeah accountability is very hard when you're working on your own and i would say for me thank god like my customer or my client has always been my external accountability. You know, like when I give them a deadline, I follow through. It's just the deadlines that I give myself, I sometimes teeter and don't do right away. So for me, actually, um, I have some accountability I just implemented in my own business is for me, I have decided like I'm, I'm not allowed to work more than four days a week anymore. 
um, because I found that I was kind of carrying my work into my weekends and I really want to have a very, you know, strict boundary with that. Um, so I'm always trying to implement my own accountability and it's very challenging, but when you do have a team, you can also ask them to keep you accountable, you know, so I do have operations manager, we have a producer for the podcast, you know, self-helpless podcast. And um, yeah, once you say, look, we need to get this done, you know, just help us do it. right? And you kind of, you can ask for that. Um, it, it's a big difference because if I was just on my own, completely unregulated, I would be working all the time with no, no clear boundaries, no clear free, free time. Yeah. That's, that's sort of what I'm doing at the moment. And I only sort of, well, I only sort of started getting an accountability sort of partner a few days ago. And I found it quite hard to find the right accountability partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you got to shop around. It's like dating, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Dating for accountability partners. And I think, um, you know, even if they don't need the same type of accountability that you do, it's really just kind of asking, you know, what works for the other person. I remember when I was first launching my, like my first business, I would ask my, my now fiance, who was my boyfriend at the time, I would ask him to send me an email every Friday. And so I could tell him what I had finished that week. And so I knew that Friday, somebody was going to be sending me an email and I would have to respond with stuff that I did. And I would want him to know that I did stuff. Um, it was really for me. I don't even think he read the emails probably, <laughs> but it was for me having that accountability of like, okay, I do have a deadline. It's not super real deadline because it is just my boyfriend emailing me because I asked him to, but it felt like something, you know, so there's ways you can give yourself that external accountability um even if you don't really have a team set up or maybe you haven't found you know the right accountability partner for you yet um you know you can also have like an automated you know email or something as well right to, to you by you <laughs> checking in with yourself yes. um, you can have alarms on your phone right like so many things you can do well it's funny you mentioned that because I, I remember looking on a youtube video on it and there was some guy that did, said he did this weird thing where he'll put on twitter or something that if he doesn't wake up at a certain point someone he would pay someone five dollars yes yes i've heard that too yes uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you can have like the automatic um donations from your account or like, I think the social media stuff is like a post is scheduled to go out and it's something really embarrassing. And so that wakes people up on time or something to stop the scheduled post, right? Yeah. There's so many funny things you can do. Um, but yeah, like setting an alarm on your phone is also really good. If you're like, look, I'm only going to work on this project for the next 30 minutes. And after 30 minutes, I'm done, you know, set your alarm for 30 minutes and make sure you stick to it. One of the things that I found quite interesting, what you said here is that you're like a simplicity sort of coach. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to a life coach recently on the podcast and he, well, he focused on things like law of attraction, visualization, sort of affirmations. Yeah. And he made it very sort of practical when I was speaking to him. And he said that, um, what was the thing that he was getting at? He says that he, so he focuses on like a seven step process where he first tries to find out what are your limiting beliefs stopping you from getting you what you want. Then he looks yeah. at creating new beliefs and then he looks at sort of putting it into action so that it becomes regular and that you, you change as a person. 
Yeah. Is that something you sort of, do you implement something similar or what's your sort of approach? Yeah. So for me, there is a lot of mindset work that goes with what I do, you know, because I'm working with entrepreneurs and they might be starting or growing a podcast or starting a business or scaling their business because they felt stuck. So it is a lot of mindset stuff just because, you know, if you don't think that you can do it, if you don't think that you are worth making a certain amount of money, it's not going to happen for you. So the mindset stuff is a very important component, but we also really heavily focus on the logistics, you know, and I help them simplify their, their business systems. You know, I help them simplify what they offer in their business. I help them streamline their marketing process. I help them with very simple branding, you know, so it's all, it's all about, you know, starting and scaling your business. But instead of, you know, a lot of people might teach, like, you need to be making content every day and you need to be on every platform and you need to be just going and doing and doing. We scale it back and we talk about what is fun for you and what is easy. Let's leverage those things. And then when we make those things, we will repurpose that information and that content for other platforms. But we're always leading with what is actually fun for you, you know, and what feels simple. And we do that with everything, what they offer in the business, how they show up and share about their business. Um, so that's really, oh, my dog, sorry, dog's barking. Um, that's really what, um, you know, my job is as a simplicity coach, is uncomplicating the process of starting and scaling their business or project. Make it sort of a pleasurable thing to do. Like, yeah it should be fun you know if it's not fun it's not gonna last right like we we want to talk about longevity if you want to if you want longevity in your business it should be fun for you <laughs> you know if it sucks and you're dreading it you're not going to stick with it you know and if, as soon as it becomes like it's not fun then we need to get you help and we need to get you into doing something fun for it do you do sort of little tricks i was speaking to another guy he says he um when he wants to work on something he makes it easy like if he's working out or something he says oh i'm just going to exercise jog for 10 minutes and then it increases to being an hour just to get him to go and do it oh absolutely i have so many little mindset stuff that i tell myself and my clients right um one thing that can kind of get you out of like a perfectionism spiral is telling yourself this is just one of many projects blog posts, podcast episodes that I'm going to do, right? So it takes the pressure off of that one thing you're working on. It's like, no, this is like one of a thousand. I just need to get this out because I have so many more coming. Um, and also kind of looking for past evidence too, that when you started something, you know, what happened after, right? You got better at it, even though it was uncomfortable, you know, so looking at something that you used to be new at um, and how you feel about that thing now, that's where you are in this moment when you're starting something new for your business, kind of allowing yourself to not be amazing at everything from the get-go too, you know, making that rough draft version just to get it over with, you know, and move on, you know, <laughs> right? And that's the benefits of doing stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you cannot, I mean, you cannot, uh, you cannot avoid being crappy at stand-up. You just can't. Because when you start, you don't really know what you're doing, right? The only way to get better is by being uncomfortable and being on stage and getting better at it. You cannot avoid that part. And neither can business owners and, and other entrepreneurs. Like you cannot avoid the uncomfortability factor and everybody tries to avoid it. So we just try to make the yeah. uncomfortability 
as pleasant and fun and, as possible and as playful as possible. So it doesn't bog you down. You know, another thing that you can do if this works for you is like batching your work, right? So instead of r sitting down to write one blog post, if you like writing and you kind of tweak it and you analyze it to death, right? Tell yourself, I'm going to write three blog posts in the next hour, right? And so it kind of takes the pressure off of each one and you have a bigger goal now. You have a quantity goal instead of a quality goal for one post. So there's tons of tips and tricks, you know, to get yourself out of that like perfectionism spiral, you know, when you're working on something. And how do you balance it like, of making it good as, but also sort of not getting all... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think giving yourself uh, like a, a deadline, you know, like if you say, look, I'm going to make this thing really the, the best that I can possibly make it um, within two hours of my time, you will find that you're only writing or, or producing the most important points and stuff because you've given yourself a deadline. Now, if you see like, okay, I'm going to take three weeks to write this one post, you're probably going to start adding information that doesn't really need to be there, right? Um, you're going to start just looking at it a different way. But if it's like, look, the clock is ticking. What is the most important information you need to get out? You know, that, that can kind of be a filtering process without us really realizing it, you know? Mm. And yeah, it's quite a funny thing as well. If you, one thing that's funny is if you're working something for a while and then you're working on something else and then you come back to it, you often solve the problem that you're working on before. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you take some, yeah, absolutely. Taking breaks is huge, right? <laughs> taking breaks. If you're, if you have a big project or if you're feeling burnt out, going, taking a break, gathering yourself um, is going to help you make better decisions and better creative decisions in your business as well. A thousand percent. Breaks are very important. One, one thing I would like to add on top of that is how, how do stand up and sort of self-help and like entrepreneurship sort of coincide with each other? Mm, that's a good question. So really, I think what makes all of these work is authenticity. I know that word is so overused, but being honest, being truthful, like believing in something, like talking about your opinions, that's what makes all this stuff work right? Nobody wants to listen to a comedian who doesn't have a strong opinion about something. The strong opinion is what makes it funny, right? And then you hear them back up their strong opinion with all this evidence that is also funny, right? Same thing. Why are we buying from certain companies? Why are we, why are we listening to certain podcasts? Why are we reading certain blog posts? They are real, right? They're probably, they're honest, they're authentic, they are unapologetically themselves, right? They have a strong opinion. And even if you don't agree with them, anything, everything they say, maybe, you are also attracted to the fact that they know who they are and they're talking about it, you know, and they're not scared to talk about it. So really in everything that you do is, are you being yourself? You know, are you talking about the things that you believe in? Are you talking about why this thing that you're doing is important to you and why it matters to you? And that's, that goes across the board with anything, whether it's stand up or, you know, a podcast or a book. It feels better that way, but it's it's sort of harder. And I think a lot of mm. people like to take like to take the other route, where, as Bruce Lee says, people try and like imitate someone else, or yeah. they try and use someone else's method of doing things. Yeah, yeah, 
Absolutely. And you know what? I find that a lot of people might start out that way, but they eventually find their own voice. And sometimes you might, in the beginning, if you're new at something, you might take, you know, somebody's framework or uh, structure of how they've done something and try to plug in your own stuff because you just don't even know where to start. But eventually, you will hone your voice if you keep working it, working at it, you know, and if you keep doing the deep work to get there, it will happen. So whatever enables you to just start doing it, do that, you know, like with stand up, it takes like seven to 10 years to really find your voice on stage. You know, It can take a long time because in the beginning you are just trying to like, okay, what is a stand up comedian? How do I need to act up there? What do I need to say? Right. And a lot of time you're trying to tell the jokes that you know will get a certain reaction but the more you keep writing about yourself and you know getting there you will have that that authenticity on stage you know it can take a little while though just like with anything now that's a funny thing as well because i find what's what effect would you say being extremely talented because there's like being talented as something can be a blessing and a curse and so if someone finds a voice early in stand-up, like they're not as motivated to put the work in, or if they Ooh. find their voice in other things. Or if, yeah. yeah what, what's your opinion of people that are really talented at certain things, but, and they find their voice in all those things? Yeah. Do you find that they often don't have the desire or the will to carry on with it? Um, I would say if somebody if if somebody's finding their voice really early, it probably means they've done a lot of deep work on themselves to feel comfortable enough being honest, you know. So yes, it's if you can absolutely like find your voice and your authenticity early on, but chances are you've done a lot of work leading up to that point. You know, you've done a lot of mindset work working on shame, working on all kinds of stuff, right? Working on criticism and rejection. And so um, I think if you are able to find that sooner, it's going to lead to success faster, but it's that work that cannot be avoided. Um, yeah. I would say if somebody is feels, you know, if somebody's like naturally gifted at something, will it make them work, um, you know, not work as hard? I don't know. I mean, that's, 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 you know, an individual thing. Um, I have seen, yeah. you know, is, as far as like stand up, like somebody who is just incredibly gifted and you can tell they were born to do this, they might get a lot more opportunities, you know, than somebody who is working, maybe it's not coming as naturally to them, um, but they're still working really hard doing it. They might get to this point of this other person that maybe has this natural ability. Um, but I think everybody has different strengths and different skill sets. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think you kind of know when you're in your flow and when you're not, right? Like you kind of know when something's working and when, and if you love it enough, you'll, you'll keep working at it, right? Even if it's not working the first time, if you love it enough, you'll keep going. And if you don't like it very much, then you'll stop and you'll try something else and both are okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious because I sometimes notice that in, in lots of things I do, like people that are, they, they're to a certain level of it, they do really well, but they're not necessarily as talented as some other people that I see of it who are right. super talented, but they don't bother. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the work ethic is important. You know what I mean? You can be 
look, there, there are performers out there who inc are incredibly talented. Um, and, but if they don't show up to things in meeting, important meetings and stuff on time, they're not going to get those opportunities. Right. So it's like, it does take more than talent to make your, your business or whatever you're doing operate. Like, you know, you could be, ta you could be very talented, but if you're not, you know, showing up or, you know, doing the things that you got to do to get your product out there, whatever it is, then you can be talented, but it doesn't mean that you're maybe operating successfully for somebody else. If you have the talent and you are, are also putting in the work in other areas, you know, that is a, a mix for success right there. And, and people who are less talented, who are willing to put in the work because they're willing to be persistent and consistent at it and put themselves out there, they might get more opportunities than somebody who might be considered more talented just because they're doing the other work. You know, so I, I do think it takes a balance. And if you find that, if you find that you feel talented in the, in one aspect, but not the other, get help with the other aspect of it. If you are having a hard time running your business and you really want to just be on in the front of the camera, then get somebody to help you with the back end of everything, you know, yeah. and vice versa. So, yeah, I mean, I think everybody can be successful. It's just really knowing what your strengths are. And what your weaknesses are and we all have them and that's okay and hire for your weaknesses so you can focus on your strengths you know and that's that's quite a funny thing as well i think we're not always attuned to what our strengths and weaknesses are we, we know we, we can get a guess of a lot of them but we're not always 100 percent accurate yeah yeah you know there's actually a great um a great quiz it's called like the strengths finder quiz on from like gallup or something i want to say but yeah strengths finder quiz you can actually take one it's an assessment um it's yeah it's an assessment not a quiz really uh and they will tell you what your top five strengths are so you can know like what things you know you should be focusing on with whatever you're trying to do and what things you should be outsourcing to people who are better at those things or that, that, that like doing those things. So, you know, even if you're, you, you can kind of guess right now and it's usually, well, what are you enjoying? What are you not procrastinating on? You know, that's probably a strength of yours. If you're procrastinating on it, eh, it might be that you need some assistance with it. And one thing I want to add on top of that is so if, when you go in like mindset and like putting sort of plans together with clients, how, because it is, I mean, it, it must take a lot of work because I, I remember I've been trying to work with a few social media experts and they trying to improve my TikTok stuff, but they haven't <laughs> been that, they haven't been that useful so far, but it's because they don't, yeah. they don't know you and they don't know you, Like you can have maybe an hour chat with them or whatever you know, it takes a while to get to know someone to see what their strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah. And they haven't really borne too much fruit because they don't really know me. So they can't, the, the advice they give me is only going to be general. And I think people that are more likely to help you are people that know you well, like your friends or like, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 How, how do you go, how do you sort of know a client where you, because it's the biggest part, one of the big parts I can assume is really knowing them. Yeah, and that must absolutely. take hours. Absolutely. So I work with people right now, minimum of six months at a time. So we get to know each other very ah, well. Yes. And you know, for me, it's really about asking the right questions because you can speed up the process 
um, of knowing somebody and you can also pay attention to how they're following through on the action steps and then we can we can go from there right so I can ask them you know what are other projects look like for you like what parts have you enjoyed the most right which parts do you hate doing you know what's what's your ideal day-to-day -day? like what do you actually what actually makes you happy right so if you can extract a lot of that information up front you can give them action steps based on what they've told you and then you can review how it went with those action steps if they didn't follow through on something we'll talk about what happened and why right and then we fix that so it's really you can you can kind of speed that up if you're in a client situation by just asking the things that you need to know about them in order to assist them with moving forward with whatever it is you know so yeah but it, it does take a little while to get to know somebody but i would find you know i i find that after the first call and the first set of action steps, I have a pretty good idea of how they're going to operate going forward. And I can reassess how I'm giving them the steps because my job is to get them to follow through and take action. And for everybody, that's going to be different. How long did it take for you to get an accurate guess of what would work with each person or the different yeah. layers that you come across? Yeah, I would say after the very first month, you know, by our second call, you know, they have done a month's worth of something of work, whatever those first action steps were. And some people complete the action steps the day after the first call and it's done and they're ready for more. And some people might take the full month and not follow through with certain things. And we kind of talk about why and we tweak that process, you know. So the focus is really always on um, what's what feels fun for them and sometimes you know we all do this we like to overcomplicate things so we think we need to do to do more things than we are we actually need to do and so that's where a lot of the mindset stuff can come in you know um, but yeah it's just it's it's a highly highly personalized process you know I do not give the same action steps for everybody it's all based on their strengths and their personality and what is going to work for them, you know? And some people might struggle really hard with perfectionism and some people might not, you know? And so it's just asking those questions to get to know somebody before you, you give them homework, basically. But you have to start somewhere. It might not be perfect from the get-go, you know? A bit like good cop, bad cop, and it's a bit like in, <laughs> in, in football, um, there's a manager called Alex Ferguson who he used to be very brutal and la and critical of some others to get motivated because if you get them annoyed they'll be motivated but he'll put his arm around and like be very gentle with others who weren't as confident mm. and I want to ask you a question and do I have yeah. permission to ask this question sure you do right now <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> what what are sort of typical character types that you come across and how do you approach them differently? Oh, um, you know, well, obviously everybody's different, you know. Um, I would say that if somebody is coming to me, they are ready to make a change. So I would say that is a theme with everybody who finds me and then we talk about if my program is a good fit for them. They are fed up in some area of their life or business and they know they can do something different. They just don't know how or where to start and they feel like there's a lot of obstacles in the way. So really everybody who's working with me, they are taking, they're action takers. So that is something that they all have in common. Um, 
I would say as far as, you know, the, the amount of success I've seen with people, the people who take quick, big action are the ones that are more successful. You know, the people that don't wait too long on, you know, the people that plan a lot and not do versus the people that do, you know, without overthinking, the doers are the ones that are having the biggest results because they're putting themselves out there and then they are seeing what's, what's working and what's not. And they're tweaking it along the way where, you know, some people are a little bit more scared to do that. So they find themselves procrastinating a little bit, but here's the thing. I do not dismiss the people that are going a little bit slower because I know that they can get there. It's just, we need to do a little bit more mindset work with them. But I'm not saying like, you know, the people who are taking, taking fast action are better because I know that they're both capable of great success. Some, somebody just might have something in their past that is, is kind of, it, it's blocking them, you know, mindset wise from moving forward. Oh, so it's a bit like the, in the, what's it called? The Think, Think and Grow Rich book where they have the six fears that prevent people from getting their success. Sure. And then you look yeah. at sort of helping them allay those fears. Absolutely. And I, and, and you know, my, <laughs> my clients have said um, they love working with me, but it's also frustrating because I make the action steps so simple that they can't not follow through. Right. So like, even though they're scared, the action step might be so very easy that they know that if they didn't follow through, there's really no excuse for it. And then we have to really look at what happened, you know? <laughs> so um, I make it simple by design because with simplicity, there's really no excuses. Okay. You and know? from what you said so far, what you're trying to say is that you a bit like when you're saying like, you don't try and perfect things. You like go with the flow and you find out the, you're saying you don't, you say it's so individualized. It's not, each client isn't sort of a textbook in a way. They're not like, oh, oh angry right. man, you have to do this and that. They're not sort of sad man, you have to do this and that. There's, you yeah. don't, you don't follow that sort of thing, do you? You're, you're very right. sort of open and you go the flow and yeah. you be patient with them. Absolutely. Because, you know, we're not a one size fits all thing. You know, everybody is so different. Everybody comes from different backgrounds. They've experienced different traumas. They've tried different things, right? We're all coming at this from a different angle. So, you know, my action step for one person might be like, okay, go host your, you know, your 200 person webinar and sell X amount of spots, right? That might be one action step for one individual. The other individual, though, that is maybe having a little struggling a little bit more with mindset, their action step might be send that one email to that one person, right? So everybody's getting simple steps, but they're simple steps for them and where they're at, you know, and I'm not dismissing the one that, you know, the, the step feels a little bit smaller because it's big to them. And that's what's important is that they're, everybody's making big moves based on where they're at, you know. And, and what needs to happen for them to move forward. You know, if I told one person, okay, you're going to go host this thing. Now you're going to host this event. You're going to be in person. You know, you're going to, you're going to talk in front of a bunch of people. They'd be like, hell no, I'm not doing that. That is scary. Right. Okay. Well, what's step number one to something like that? Send the email, right? <laughs> do this, do this small thing. Um, so it's highly, pers it's highly personal. And that's why I, 
you know, when I, when people say that they have, they've cracked the code for every human being, I think they're full crap because they haven't, we're all different. You know, they're not, they're step number one. Um, somebody might be so afraid of taking that step number one that they don't take action and therefore that system does not work for them. So how can we get that person to take the first step? They might need 15 steps leading up to that step number one. So um, I don't claim to have the formula for everybody because everybody's an individual. And that's what I, that's where I come in and work with them on is what's simple for you might not be simple for somebody else and vice versa. What draws your sort of passion for helping people? Like what, what, what brought that about? What, what, what childhood experience sort of brought that and what, what, you know, what, what is the reason for it? Like in comedians, they always, <laughs> there's a saying by one of the comedians, they say either one of us is a gopher and we don't worry about life. And then the other one is not so easy going and not worried about life. And <laughs> you know, right. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I think my passion for helping people, um, you know, move forward with the goal is the fact that I've had to do that for myself, right? And, and for me, I had to do so much internal work to get to a point where I finally feel like I'm doing what I love and I'm successful at it. And that took a lot. That took a lot of trial and error. It took a lot of research. It took a lot of mindset work. And so I feel so much happier having done this and having made these moves that I want somebody else. I want everybody else to feel that way if they, if that's what they want, right? Like, I know that um, I used to feel really stuck and really frustrated and felt like I just didn't know what direction to go in. And now I feel very clear and, and happy. And so once I, once I experienced that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to help other people experience this. Because if they just knew what steps they can take to get here, um, they could have this result too. You know, so it really came from giving the result to myself first. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, people could be so much happier. They just don't know how to get there. Like I didn't know how to get there. Yeah. So it's a bit like, yeah, it's a bit, what's, what's the feel, what's the word again? I spoke to a guy on, um, do you, do you, do you follow Tantra and meditation? Sort of um, thing? I, I do. I do like meditation. I don't, I don't like follow somebody in particular, you know, but I definitely meditate. But he, he said, um, this was a bit far-fetched. I don't know if this is true, but he's, he's, he said that if everyone sort of did Tantra, it, the world would be a much better place. And so what you're saying there is more people chase what they wanted to do and sort of fill their needs here. Then do you feel that I'm, this is not metaphysical. This isn't sort of like trying to preach anything, but yeah. do you feel things would be a lot better with a lot of people nowadays? Oh my gosh, ab absolutely. Absolutely. Because think about, you know, when you're feeling happy and fulfilled, how you show up so differently, right? Like you're not going to the grocery store and being mean to the, the, the cashier, right? <laughs> like you're take you're being present, you're being patient, you're saying hello, <laughs> right? Like everybody would be spreading more happiness and joy to each other if they were themselves happy. Like you wouldn't be snapping at your family as much if you were coming home from work feeling 
happy and excited and energized versus like depleted and frustrated and, you know, feeling like you're lacking purpose at, at whatever you're doing. So yes, I think being, taking our own, like making our own happiness a priority, it benefits everybody, benefits everybody around us. So if everybody was trying to do that, um, absolutely, I think the world would be a very, very different place. And I think that, you know, with somebody teaching meditation and somebody teaching, you know, following your passion or your purpose, right? It's all really the same thing because we're all really just saying, listen, let's be mindful and intentional and present about what we actually like doing and what we actually don't like doing, you know? And all, there's so many different ways to get there, you know? So if you, if you're meditating, um, your chances are you're being a lot more mindful throughout your day instead of reactive. Right. And that's, that's, that's what we need people to be doing. And for people to be happy, they've got to sort of go on a journey of their own in a way. And it's a bit like, like going on a film, I'm watching Indiana Jones film or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of us, I think when we're younger and when we get older, we have a lot of sort of friend groups that we're tied to or that we tie certain roles as to what you are. Like you said before you were a comedian, you used to tie that to what you are. And mm. with us, it must, for people that are, that are not willing to take that path, what would you say to them? Like for people that are they're stuck in the job that they hate and they're miserable, but they're stuck with their friendships and they feel trapped and they can't get out of it. What mm. would you say to them to get them out of it? Because you did say that they've got to be willing to talk to you, but what yeah. do you think could get them to get them in a stage where they want to sort of reach out and do things? Oh God, you know what? I, I feel like <laughs> this is going to get dark for a second, but I think it's super important. You know, it's like if you, if you had one more day, you know, or not one more day, if, if you're, if you knew that your time here was limited, let's say that you had like a year left to live, is this what you would be doing with your time? You know, I would say I change it from one day because one day it's like, no, I would quit everything and I would just see my, you know, friends and family and like, you know, eat all the food. Right. But like, if you had a year left um, and you had to be working for some of that time, what would you be doing? Is this what you would want to be doing with your final year of your life? Like, is this the work that you'd want to be doing? Is this the day-to-day -day that you would want to have? And if not, what is that, what does that ideal day-to-day -day look like? Ah, what's it called? Like Louis Howe, I read his book. He says he tries to picture the ideal working day. There you go. Yeah. And for everybody that's different. Some people love being in an office from nine to five and it gives them structure and, and balance. And they're so happy with that. Some people hate working the nine to five and it makes them feel trapped and, and horrible. Right. So it's like, what is it for you? You know? And like, I love that quote. Um, I forget who says it. I think it's been attributed to a few people, but um, how you spend your days is how you spend your life. I think a lot of people think, Oh, when I get, when I reach this milestone, then I'll live my life. Then I'll really live right. When I make this, this amount of money, then I'll take more vacations or take more breaks. But your, what you're doing right now is your life. So is this how you want to be spending your time? Yes or no. And if it's not, what, how do you want to spend your time and how can you, how can you make time for that now and start going in that direction?
that's really it. That helps me anyway. It's like, okay, if I had a couple years left on the, on the planet, is this what I want to be doing? Or is there something else I'd rather do more? I think one thing to add on top of that is people, some people, I mean, everyone likes to party and they have like to have a good time, but some <laughs> yes. people get, get locked into that and they don't bother doing anything else to enjoy themselves. And then maybe they get to the point where they're 40 or something and they're still doing it and it gets, yeah. they're miserable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. How do you get people out of that? How do, yeah. like, of course you've got to let your hair down, but how can you get people out of the mindset of, yeah, it's good to do that, but we've got to do this as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think it's important to add the component. What would you be doing for money or what would you be doing for work? If you had to work and it was the last couple of years you had here, the last year, whatever is more helpful for you, you had to generate money to live your life. What would you be doing? Ideally, if everything worked out, if you could have your dream job and make that money um, to support your free time and the freedom that you want to do with all these other things, what would you be doing? On top of that, I've, I've, I mean, being in LA, you must get a lot of that, but a lot of people, they just want to be famous and they want to be on TV or they want to be movie stars, but they don't necessarily yeah. look into more than that. Whether, you know, because if you're, if, if you're doing a job that you like, you don't need to be on TV. You don't need to, if you, if you're making a living from what you enjoy doing, then that's enough, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you're, if your goal is to be famous and be on TV, okay. What steps are you taking to get to that point? Right? Like you, you think you might want that, but are you actually moving towards that? Are you willing to do the work um, to get to that point? Because some people really want the result, but they don't like the process. And you have to really yeah. be in love with the process in order for the result to like make sense for you. Right? So my, you know what I, a trick that I did is I, I mean, I've tried so many different things and I've also, um, I've considered so many different things, you know, and I remember I was considering trying to be a, you know, a full-time writer, a producer, an actor of this. I was able to reach out to people and ask them questions. So like if, when I was thinking, okay, maybe I want to be an actor, but really what would my day-to-day -day look like? I I met one of my friends for coffee who was a full-time actor and I asked him a bunch of questions and I said like walk me through what a day is like for you or a week what are you actually like what are you doing what does that look like and and then I was able to see if I could plug myself into that lifestyle and you can you can find a lot of information too by not only doing the thing and trying the thing yourself but talking to people who are doing that thing like what is their day like is that a day that you would be happy with or is that not a day you'd be happy with? So um, I think there's a couple shortcuts, even though you can't avoid actually experimenting, you can be a lot more intentional with how you're experimenting and what kind of information you're collecting along the way, you know? And then, and then some people also have a big ego. I mean, being comedy, loads of people have big egos, but how do people get, get their ego out of the question? They just think of like, I'm not enjoying this. I should do this. How, how, how'd you get them out of that? That's... Oh gosh. Well, I'll tell you exactly how I was able to pull myself out of like the ego, like ego can really affect our decisions and really screw us. <laughs> so I asked myself the question, would I do this thing if I couldn't tell anybody about it? 
if I couldn't post about it on social media, if I couldn't tell friends and family, if I couldn't talk about it at a dinner party, would I still do this thing? That can usually tell you pretty quickly if you're doing something out of ego if you're, or if you're doing something out of like true desire to do the thing. And I'm not saying that ego is always bad, but if it is, it, if it is affecting your decision of what makes you happy, then I think that's something to really look at. That would be, you know, that's a, that, that would be the perfect sort of interview in the, like for careers day, if you're younger and you put right. in that question, that would be the perfect person for someone to find out what they want to do. And right? if they're really prepared to do it from a young age. Yeah. Like if you couldn't write this on your bio, on your website, would you actually be doing this thing because of the pure love of it or not? So once I started asking myself that kind of question, it was pretty clear what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. And with sort of you going on your podcast journey and you've got all these different things going on, how do you balance it all? Because it seems like you're in one way, you're in one this way, this way. How, how do you do it all? Yeah. So now, you know, I, I used to be somebody that was involved in way too many things all the time. And now I've really, you know, I've simplified my own life and business over the course of several years. And now the way I balance it is I just do a few things and I do them to the best of my ability and that's it, you know? And if I'm ever considering taking on a new project or something different, I now have like a filtering process of if that thing is the right fit for me and what I want my life to look like, and what I want my days to look like. So right now I really, I'm able to just focus on my coaching program and podcasting. Like those are the two main things I do and I want to do those to the best of my ability and I want to make everything, you know, very streamlined and clear. Um, and that's all I'm doing for a while. You know, I'm just kind of focusing my effort on two main areas of my business. And um, if I ever want to bring something else into the mix, then I'm going to have to ask myself a lot of questions on if that's the right move for me or not. It's a bit, what you did there is a bit like, um, a bit like a SWOT analysis, isn't it? Like with things that you're putting on and it's a bit like people, if you let, let into your circle, like what do they bring? Yeah. What do they not bring? Absolutely. I, absolutely. I think just being very um, intentional about the moves you're making in every area of your life, you know, and, and, and making those tough decisions about letting certain things or people go you know, based on what you want your life to look like and how you want to feel. And it's not comfortable. You know, I think, that's, I think what, <laughs> what gets in a lot of people's way is that this is not comfortable making these moves. Like moving towards what you really want can be very uncomfortable, but staying stuck and miserable is just as, as uncomfortable for different reasons. So if you're going to be uncomfortable, no matter what, you might as well be uncomfortable moving towards and doing more of the thing that you actually want to do it's what yeah it's better it's better going through the trenches with some someone you like rather than like something that's killing you all the time right right oh what is that great um jim carrey quote something where he said you know if you can fail at something that you hate why not just try to fail at something that you love or something like that right if you're gonna if you can fail at something that you don't like doing 
You know, if you can get let go from a job that you hated anyway, you know, what's stopping us from scaling our way to the thing that we love? Yeah. And it's, I mean, with the coronavirus, and um, I, there's some good news now. I hear that there's a vaccine that's suitable for 90% mm. of us. Oh, wow. But, yeah, a lot of my... I've also uh, not read that yet. <laughs> I can send you the link if you want. I'll put it in the sure. chat. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, please do. Vaccination, corona. Um, but, I mean, I think a lot of people now, they're scared. That they're falling under the 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 law of poverty thing, so they go to mm -hmm. what's safe. Like comedians, they love doing comedy, but so many of them have now decided to quit. Quit, and so many of them have decided to yeah, they they, they just quit, and now they take the other option. What what do you suggest even during these tough times for people to go and make the most of chasing after their their dreams? Yeah. I, yeah, I think there's still a way to do what you love, even if you have to change it up a little bit, right? So with comedians, you know, while we're on that topic, it's like, okay, so you're not able to do as many live shows right now. So what else can you do? You can do Zoom shows, you can make funny videos and, and build up your digital presence, right? You can do um, social distance shows in a backyard and outdoor show, right? There's, there's still a lot of ways that you can make the thing that you like making, you can start a podcast, right? So how can you, you know, how can you still do your thing, but just plug it into a different medium for right now until you can kind of go back to doing it the way that you really love doing it. Um, and, and if you need to add something to make money at that time, it doesn't mean that you have to ignore what you love doing completely, right? So, you know, there's, there's comedians I know that have done different types of work right now so they can pay their bills, but they're still doing comedy because they love it. So just because maybe it fluctuates from being able to make a full-time living doing the thing you love versus you might need something else to supplement your income, you can still keep that thing that you love doing you know, in your schedule to keep you happy and energized and motivated. And from from i mean it must have been you falling from this thing to this thing but it must have been a big challenge and there must have been times that you felt like stopping as well like especially the podcast oh, yeah. podcast being such a competitive place where everyone wants to be the joe rogan or this and that and they want to be the how did you not let little setbacks or little things sort of get in the way and how did it get to the stage it is now where yeah I think wanting to quit sometimes is so normal, no matter what you're doing, right? I, I think about, hmm, like, what would it be like if I just stopped doing all of this? You know, like, I still think about that, and I'm very happy with what I'm doing. And so I don't think that really, um, I don't think that really goes away. Like, we, all of us have hard days, no matter what we're doing. And sometimes we think, ah, maybe I should just quit this and go back to what I was doing or whatever. But really, for me, um, if that passes, you know, and the next day is better, or, I'm, or I know it's temporary, then I, I'm, you know, I know I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing. If that I want to quit feeling is very persistent, and it's like daily, weekly, constantly, then I know it's time to really make a change, because I just want to quit this thing every single day. 
Um, but really what's kept me going is doing stuff that I enjoy. You know, the podcast, um, it started because, you know, the self helpless podcast started because we were, we're just three friends who really enjoy talking about self-help and self-improvement and sharing information about what's going on in our own lives. Like that started from a place of just pure enjoyment. And so as it grows, we're not super attached to the outcome because we just love doing it. So whether it's the biggest podcast in the world or, or nobody's listening, like <laughs> we just have fun doing it, you know, and that's where that's how it started. Um, that's how everything that I've stuck with started is just pure enjoyment, you know, and then as it becomes maybe more of a business and a job, we still try to maintain the enjoyment and, and, and make that a priority so it can continue, you know? So of course it's very different, you know, now that we're over three years in it, it, it has felt more like a job in certain ways, but there's still things we can do to maintain our level of enjoyment doing it. And it might be a little bit different versus when you're starting versus when you're a few years in. And with sort of loving it and carrying on doing it, how, how did it get to the stage it is now? Like what were the moments that sort of like, where you're like, Oh, I could, I could, this could be my main thing, Like you were enjoying it. And then what was the point where you're like, Oh yeah, I can make it my full-time thing. Yeah. So for me, the, you know, I would say, I am i don't want to speak for, you know, Taylor and Kelsey, but I, I would say there hasn't been really, there hasn't been moments. I think it's been, it has been a daily process and it's just kind of created a snowball effect, right? So every exciting thing added to the success of the show. Um, but when we started, I think we started making consistent revenue um, about a year in to the show if I'm not mistaken. And so once we kind of saw that consistency, we, it kind of took us a while to look back and realize, oh my gosh, we've been able to pay our bills with the show. You know, it, it didn't feel kind of real at first because it was so inconsistent. And then sometimes it takes you pausing and looking about, looking back at what, what's happened or looking back at what you've, what you've accomplished to really see it, to really realize, oh my gosh, we're able to this is basically our, you know, an, an income for us now. When did this happen, right? Because we were just so locked into just doing the show and enjoying the show. So, um, yeah, I would say about a year end or year in, it started making consistent revenue for us. And what what do you make of like the typical podcast advice? We're saying get the right equipment, do this, do that, and like. How did it sort of happen? Like you were getting 500 views a week and then like all of a sudden it just boom, 10,000, 100,000 million. Mm. Oh, where did this come from? You know, I think it's all about consistency, right? Like we figured out what our show schedule was and what we could stick with. We also figured out what our marketing game plan was going to be, right? And we've been very, we've gotten more and more intentional with our, our episodes and what we're titling our episodes and who we're having on, right? So it's all those little things that add up to a big result. So I would say, you know, for new podcasters, just doing it and starting as soon as possible is going to help you the most because that's how you're going to work out all the kinks. But being very mindful with, you know, who is your ideal listener and how are you reaching them and what kind of information are you putting out there to draw them in? You know, so being very intentional with your show description, 
and your episode titles and making sure that your cover art is the proper size so you can get on the charts, you know, there's so many little things that go into it. Um, so if you start with a very clear goal in mind or a very clear listener in mind, you can create content around what that person is looking for, what they're needing, you know? So um, I think a lot of people just like start a podcast and there's not a whole lot of intention behind it. And so they get a little bit frustrated with their results, right? You know, people just kind of talking in a circle on a podcast with no theme or hook or goal it's probably not going to do so well unless you have a huge audience behind you. You know, if you're already a public figure or something, sure, maybe. But, um, you know, put some thought into it. Like, what is the goal with this show? Who are you trying to help or what are you trying to do? And make that reflect in all of it. And how did the evolution of the content change? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. I <laughs> talked... Um, so the evolution of the content, you know, in the, in the very beginning, um, we really thought of it as like a comedy podcast with a little bit of self-improvement in it. Like we were like, okay, like this is going to be a comedy podcast and we're going to talk about self-improvement in a, in a pretty lighthearted, fun way. And then we realized, you know, our listeners really loved when we talked about some of the deeper, harder topics. And so they started writing in asking us to cover you know, some kind of bigger topics than we really kind of set out to cover, right? Some medical stuff, um, uh, disorders, right? All these different things, all these different trauma, right? And so it's actually, um, it's kind of become more, more self-improvement, mental health, self-help than it has comedy, and, and we, that's because, you know, our listeners have really co-created that with us and we've listened to them, you know, we've listened to what was resonating with our people and we wanted to give them more of what they wanted while also still maintaining, you know, what we enjoy most about the show as well. So, you know, we take, we take what they have and what they say in mind and we incorporate it and we also prioritize what we feel is fun and what's going to keep us going with the show. So it's definitely evolved. You know, I would say if you're a new podcaster, be open to the fact that this might evolve into something that you weren't expecting. Yeah, I've gotten that as well. I mean, I'm not, it's, 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 I'm, I only started it since lockdown, but it's had a lot of changes. Yeah. So it went from me just messing about and then it went to like comedians and now it's gotten to the point where the main thing of the podcast is to, I want to get come to the stage where it's my full-time thing. So I want to, I want to, I want to interview people that have made what they love the full-time job. So the main, the podcast now is about interviewing people who have made what they love the full-time job and sharing the message with other people. Right. Right. Which is awesome. You know, so you have a very clear person in mind that you're helping with this show, you know, my dog really wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> I'm guessing I have that effect on. <laughs> <laughs> he agrees with you. <laughs> I, I, no, I love it. A few of the podcasts have been uh, entertaining. So I, I had one where he, this guy's daughter kept on getting involved and saying hello. <laughs> 
and yeah it, it's and then another one where this cat kept, kept on jumping on this person but. <laughs> it's the joy of quarantine zoom recording isn't it <laughs> i mean i suppose it makes things more authentic though with it being yeah. on zoom and like having all these things it gives a bit more of a personal touch yeah definitely definitely I spoke to another podcaster called Richard Reddy and he does a Formula One podcast and one advice he gave me from the podcast for podcasting is that you do edit it but like don't edit it too much because it's it's he says to treat podcasting a bit like a live performance mm. mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think people respond to things that are not perfect you know what I mean like nobody's perfect and so you know it's it's often a lot more you know relatable to leave the mess ups in the recording right like we're all real people doing something you know for me if something sounds like too scripted or too perfect or too prepared it almost it almost turns me off just a little bit you know i'll be honest like i like when people show up and they're honest about where they're at and what they're doing and that's the kind of stuff I'm drawn to. You know, you can still make something really good and, and, and structured with still maintaining that you're a real person who messes up words sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the things I used to like about Craig Ferguson. Like he used to get his script up and then he'd rip it up and then just riff. <laughs> I would, would love to see him still on now, though. I mean, what do you make of Craig Ferguson? Do you think, do you like his style? You know what? I've actually met Craig Ferguson because I was on, um, I was on one of the game shows that he hosted. <laughs> so I met ah. him and he was very, he was very nice. Yeah, he was super friendly. And is it, is it all improvised? Like it appears on his main show and is it like, how, how does, how does behind the scenes differ to, seeing on tv i have no idea what his process was like because i was just you know being prepped separately um but you know pretty sure there was still like a teleprompter and obviously everything like that but yeah i think there was there was definitely room for improvisation you know we were improvising together and stuff so um yeah that was yeah that was a lot of fun he he, he seemed like a very nice person hmm. um one thing so I do appreciate. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been very yeah. illuminating as a like speaking Thanks to you can like do all these different things. Um, but there's two things I'd like to ask you before you go. Yeah. Um, what is a quote you'd like to live the rest of your life by? Mm. And what is the biggest advice you give to your younger self? Oh, good question. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Maverick, Maverick, my dog wants to chime in. Um, so the quote that I find myself right now um, telling myself the most is you can do anything but not everything. Um, because I struggle so hard with the workaholic tendencies, I, I'm constantly having to remind myself that just because I have a million ideas of things that I want to try, um, doesn't necessarily mean they fit with my bigger goal for myself. And so I really like that quote for me right now is that you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Um, and the biggest advice I would give to my younger self is that um, you already have the skill set you need to like 
be successful and make money at something you enjoy. You just aren't aware of how to do it. So when I look back at where I was, um, I had the experience and the information that I needed in order to start doing the stuff that I'm doing now. I just, it took a lot of mindset work and a lot of research and a lot of finding people uh, in order to get the confidence to try it myself. So that's what I would tell myself is just get, get help if you need it, like get assistance, you know, reach out to a consultant or a coach or an advisor or start talking to people about their career and assess from there and come up with a game plan for yourself. And oh, and one more thing I'd like to ask you. Yeah. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh, sure. So, you know, um, you can go to DelaneyFisher.com for all the information about my coaching and my podcasts. Um, I do have a new podcast. It's a solo show called Efficionado, where I help entrepreneurs make their life and business as efficient and simple as possible. So you can check that out. And currently I am interviewing for five new spots that are coming available in my coaching program. And so if you want a 15 minute, you know, basically comped game plan call with me to uh, assess if it would be a good fit for you, you can also book that at DelaneyFisher.com. Okay. Well, thank you very much for appearing on the podcast. And I just want to say, have a great day. Fingers crossed. I like this Corona thing goes soon. <laughs> and yes, it was nice yeah, talking with you. <laughs> and keep safe. Thank you. You too. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to this episode. You've enjoyed it. I hope if anything else, you're taking practical advice and putting your goals into action, deciding if it's something you want to do. Like the episode again, please share it with your friends. Give us a view on iTunes. And I'll see you at the next episode.